This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. According to the Bible, Pharaoh and his entire army drowned in the Red Sea. But does history support this account? What happened to Egypt after all of their leaders and defenses were drowned? Mary Nell Wyatt Lee brings out some jaw-dropping evidence of desperation after the Exodus. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun has set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Well, Shabbat Shalom, Torah fans. What happened to Egypt after the Exodus? Good question. Mary Nell Whiteley answers that tonight on Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Now, some fascinating information that verifies what happened is what you're gonna to see tonight despite what Egyptology would have us believe. But first things first, let's get the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There you see it there, it is the final Shabbat on the fourth month, the fourth biblical month, uh, be looking for the new moon on Sunday. And we'll send out an e-blast to let you know if the new moon has been spotted from Jerusalem. So watch your email. Uh, what else is new? Well, my co-host for tonight is David Robinson. Let's welcome him and find out. Welcome, David. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Oh boy, so, so something we have started for summer, I'm very excited to talk about. Yeah. Uh, this is something that uh, was the brainchild, actually, of Donna. Donna, our Donna came up with this idea. Yep. Our chief financial officer, we started out with a flag that had the name of Yehovah on it, and we had yeah. that as a love April, gift. I think it was April. April love, yeah, a couple months ago. And so now, we have a whole bunch of other ones. Oh yeah, it just kind of started <laughs> snowballing. Yeah, so we did, okay, so we did that, and then yep. we did, uh, oh yeah, then we did Passover. Yep, we did Passover, and then we, we did Shavuot. Right, and now we have a whole bunch of other ones. Now, the, the very special thing about this, this has been going on all week, this, this, this love, uh, not the love gift, pardon me, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a special sale for this week only. Mm -hmm. But what folks need to recognize is that after this sale, these things are not gonna be available. Yeah. Oh, until fall or winter. We're gonna put them back in the be, vault yeah, and right. release them one at a time after that's this. Right. So if you want them now and have them all for the rest of the year at a significant discount, because they're what, 179, these things are typically going to be uh, about, uh, what, $20 each, 1995 mm -hmm. each. Mm -hmm. So you're getting 11 of these, do the math, that's like 20% off of these yeah, flags that aren't deal. even released yet. That's right. So really what do we have? Deal. We so have right them here all we right have there, right? Shabbat Shalom, and we have each season. Uh, right, so this is, what, uh, this is a spring one, right? Mm -hmm. So this and is this the spring is Shabbat summer. Shalom. This is summer. Summer, oh yeah, that and looks good, I like have, that. Okay. Uh, you have your fall, okay. Shabbat Shalom. Very good. Yard flag. Garden flag, sorry. Garden flag. Gar it's called garden now, these flag. Now these are all weather, they're very thick. Yes, they're they thicker are. than what they look like on TV, trust me. They're, they're, like, they're like a silk uh, kind of polyester material. Mm -hmm. These things are not gonna fade. They're, no. they're tough. I mean, these they things are, are really thick. Tough. Now the yeah. only thing this thing doesn't come with is the- uh, the, the actual pole. The actual pole, which you can buy on Amazon yeah, for like $15 or something. you can get them on Amazon or, or yeah. uh, even Walmart. You can get them on, oh, okay. on Walmart, okay. I think. So very good. So we all Shabbat Shalom. Now this is the, what's special though. So we got the Shabbat Shalom ones, which right. are neat in themselves, but we have one for every single feast on the yeah, Hebrew calendar. I, I think a lot of you have already seen this. This yep. is the Passover, Passover Yeah, very good. And then we have the Shavuot flag. Shavuot, we've got that one. Very and if you don't have them, you can get them. And if you That's get right. the set, 
You could pass the other ones on to friends that you already have, right? So might as well do that. Uh, Goodness, there's every, every single one? Oh, wait a minute. You know what? I forgot this one. So we've got have, uh, Kareem. Kareem. Okay, Kareem. so now there's a, uh, a ring on there because right. it's all about Yeshua and his mm -hmm. bride. There is some prophecy in Purim, even though it's not a commanded feast. That's right. So that's something folks need to keep in mind. Yom Kippur. We have that one. Yom Kippur, Day yes. Day of Atonement. Yep, because the Day of Atonement and we're answering to the King of Kings, mm -hmm. thus the... Crown, very good. And we have Yom Teruah. Yeah, Yom Teruah. No man knows the day or the hour. That that's right. is the verse that we get that from. Uh, that's what Yeshua is talking about when he says, "No man knows and the day or the hour of his coming." That's Yom Teruah. Uh, the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> Remember that statement. Yes, exactly. There is a T-shirt coming out. <laughs> that's right. About, maybe you've seen your, your newsletter. We're doing a new new T-shirt that has the most wonderful time of the year. And of course, it's tongue-in-cheek to the other season that uh, we don't want to recognize. That's but, exactly uh, right. But that's what it is. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Yep. And then we have Happy Hanukkah yes. because Yeshua is the light of the world. Light so of the there world. You go. And it's, yes, it is a seven branch menorah. Yes. It is not, not a nine-branch nine Hanukkah. Hanukkah. It All is right. a seven-branch menorah. There so there you go. go. So All now right. you can teach your friends about that, too. All right, so there are the flags. Now, that sale ends Sunday. And again, yeah, this, Sunday. Um, this Sunday. So yeah, a couple days from now and after that, they're, they're gone. They're going That's back right. in the vault. Going right? in the vault. Okay, so we've got that now. Uh, we're going to have another sale following that. Every week this, every this week month. In, yeah, every week in July we're having a sale. It's going to be gonna something be different. It's yeah. going to be fun. They're going to keep summer light and fun. So look, be looking for it. Just watch your email or you can go to our website at rudeawakening.tv and, uh, and you can see them there. And to be on, you might say, well, how do I, how do I get on your email list? All you have to do is sign up on the front That's page. Right. You'll see it there. And in fact, if you want our newsletter too, all you have to do there, if you donate to the ministry or you buy anything, yep. uh, we'll, we'll put you on the list to get the newsletter list. too. That's so right. there you go. That's the paper newsletter that comes literally to your mailbox. Now, speaking of coming to your mailbox, we're going to get into this in just a second. But first, we want to talk about tonight. Uh, we are doing episode, uh, where are we at? Episode four. This is the finale. That's My right. goodness, it's gone by so fast. Yeah, I forgot this is the last quickly. one. Okay, so this is episode four. This is the aftermath of the Exodus. The big question. Question. We were talking about this before the, right. the cameras came on. What the heck did, no, I mean, did Egypt you, do? You, you, you don't normally think about it. I, I mean, I, in all my years in following them, uh, Yahovah, I haven't thought about what happened. I mean, the infrastructure did it collapse. I mean, you think about all that, the, all the men that were in the armies, mm -hmm. you know, they're gone. Well, not just the army. Okay, the pharaoh's gone. Number one, the, you, pharaoh, the, the kingpin's yeah. gone. All of the armies are gone. And who follows the armies to ensure the blessing of the gods? That's right. All of their their, their priests, their, priests mm -hmm. their whole religious system, their military, their leader, everyone is gone. Not to mention all of the firstborn in Egypt are dead. Right. So even the guys that could have filled the blank there, all the young men, they're gone too. They're gone, yeah. So what does the Pharaoh's wife do? Here's what she does. Take a look. They haven't seen this stuff before. Right. Like the, the pictures you took, uh, you mentioned of that one, the tomb, where you didn't know even what you had. You took flash photography. Right. It was the days of film. You had to get it developed. And lo and behold, here's evidence of Moses on a wall that right. no one to this day is allowed to go in and see. They don't even, they don't have a clue what it is or who it is. All right, so there you have it. The extremely important episode to watch tonight if you want to know the real history of what happened to Egypt after the exodus. Just discovering that letter, I mean, it's magnificent. Oh, I mean, gosh. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got to watch it tonight. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be, be amazing. Really good. You're going to love it. Okay, now, uh, our love gift this month. Yes. Extremely important to talk about. This, ep this episode, we've never done something like this. Uh, this is an interview I had the pleasure of doing with 
um, Vera Sharav. She is a Holocaust survivor. Mm -hmm. And what she says about what's happening now between the collaboration between government and medicine, medicine. and everybody knows what I'm talking about. It's happening now. It's happening now. Mm -hmm. And she has a dire warning to say, you guys, this is what happened during the Holocaust. This is a very serious episode. We cannot put this on YouTube. We normally say, well, we're not gonna put it on YouTube just so you can have it special. Well, that, we're doing that too, but we can't put this on YouTube. We put this on YouTube, our, our YouTube will go away. Right. It is that serious of a message, that inflammatory. But if you and your family wanna be warned about what's coming next from someone who's seen it happen before, get this, get it in your hands. When it's in your hands like this, nobody can take it away from you. Nobody can fact check you and toss you off of Facebook. You can keep this in your home, pass around to friends, underground if you have to, but get this message out. This is what you're gonna get for the July Love Gift in addition to a couple other beautiful gifts. Yes, we have this um, beautiful hollow bread cover. Yes. And uh, it's uh, multicolor embroidery and it's made out of raw silk. Yeah, it's And this it's, is it's actually thick. made in Israel. Yeah, yeah it's, beautiful it's, thing. It's made in Israel, it's very nice. And there's another gift you'll get as well, but we're gonna leave that for the commercial day yes, because we're out of time, but uh, thank you for joining us today and we can see the rest of that gift on uh, what's coming up next. But first, Mary Nell Wyatt Lee brings out some jaw-dropping evidence of desperation in Egypt after the Exodus. We have a record of it and you're going to see it tonight. The aftermath of the Exodus is next. The final episode of our four-part series, Moses and the Pharaoh. Stay tuned. It's very, very unnerving for me to have to dig up those memories. Every month, Michael Rood gives you a special teaching when you donate to our Love Gift program. This month, we are offering a teaching unlike any other. It is a history lesson and it's a warning for your future. This month's teaching is an urgent alert from a survivor of the Holocaust, Vera Sharav, about today's collaboration between medicine and government, the very same type of collaboration she saw firsthand that led to the Holocaust. Medicine, when it leaves the private office, the private doctor with you, the patient, is something else entirely. It is weaponized and it has been weaponized. That's what the Nazis did. And to a great extent, this is what's happening now. The world to come with Holocaust survivor Vera Sharav will never be on YouTube and it can never be broadcast. But it is something you need to hear. That's why we're offering it as a gift, as a DVD or a Blu-ray, something you can play over and over again in the privacy of your own home with no one censoring the message. And the only way we can do that is with funding from your donations. So with a donation of $50, we'll send you the world to come as a gift. If you'd like to help the ministry further with a donation of $100, we'll send you the world to come and a hollow bread cover made of silk and embroidered with pomegranates. Or as a special offer for a donation of $300, we'll send you the world to come, the hollow bread cover, and this wonderful key holder with precious stones from Israel. It's a blessing for everyone who enters your home. Along with these beautiful gifts, this teaching, the world to come, may be the most important love gift we have ever offered. You can call us to receive this gift at 888-766-3610. You can order by mail by using the information on your screen. Or you can get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. On Friday, the sixth day of the week, the markets in Jerusalem are filled with challah that is done differently than it is any other day of the week. On that day, the challah is covered with honey, 
and it is covered with raisins because it is a shadow picture of when the Messiah reigns upon the earth in the Sabbath day or the Sabbath millennium when life on earth will be sweet. Yeshua, the last night that he had with his disciples before his crucifixion, he took bread and he blessed the Most High and he said, Baruch atah Yehovah Eloheinu melech ha'olam, hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And he said, this represents my body, which will be broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so the sanctification of the Sabbath, the Kiddush that we do, sets apart this day and sets apart this very thing that we had rehearsed from the time that Yeshua gave this to his disciples. And then Yeshua blessed the Most High with this blessing that Melech Zadik said to Abraham when he blessed the Most High. Baruch atah Yehovah Eloheinu Malach HaOlam Barei Pri HaGafen. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, the King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, this represents the renewed covenant paid for in my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. With that, we do exhibit the Lord's death and what he paid for our redemption until he comes. Well, if you've been watching the last three episodes, you are enthralled, your mind has been changed and possibly blown. It's all about this book, <laughs> Battle for the Firstborn by Mary Nell Wyatt Lee. And Mary Nell and Randall Lee, thank you for joining us today again on Shabbat Night Live. We had a few more things we wanted to discuss. <laughs> and uh, first of all, we want people to get this book. Uh, it is uh, available at ronwyatt.com. And this is a family affair for you, isn't it? It is. Uh, ronwyatt.com is run by... Ron's daughter, Michelle, okay. and her husband, Dennis. And um, we, we work together. They, they do all the work on, on that end. And then, um, you know, we just, it's just how we work. We don't, nobody's paid, nobody gets anything. It's just, we're trying to carry on Ron's uh, information. And to the, the interest world. of keeping that out there. And I think it's mm -hmm. important work because as we're finding out in this uh, series, not nearly everything has come out. Like hardly anything has come out, in, in my opinion. We see a few videos here and there on YouTube, and that's all anybody knows of Ron Wyatt. And then we see mm -hmm. all the information in this book. And then the videos we're going to present in our bonus episode on the MichaelRood.tv app. Yeah. That's gonna be amazing. You have videos from, what, the 70s yes. and the 80s? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I've got a lot of Ron footage that <clears throat> you'll be putting in there that will uh, for example, the, uh, his work on the pyramid building machine. Um, and he, he had this made probably in the late 70s, early 80s. He was, looks like a young man, you know. <laughs> and uh, the footage isn't that good. You're, everybody's used to seeing uh, really fine 4, 4K, you know, stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is very primitive but this is the real stuff. Well, that's the fun part about it. Yes. Primitive or not, this is fun to see. Yes, yeah. it'll be there, um, you know, some of the stuff as it happened. Like one of the most exciting things that we'll 
be showing will be the um, Ron's uh, film. It was film when he was searching for the Red Sea crossing. Wow. And hired a plane and he lot Israel and had them just fly down the beach. And you can see when he first saw Nueva Beach. Oh, man, can't wait to see that. Okay, well, that's awesome. We appreciate you and your family, all you guys, for working together on this. It's just beautiful how you're just continuing all this because this is really eternal information that needs to come out. I mean, there's, uh, Randall, you wanted to bring out something I know that, uh, speaking mm -hmm. of eternal, uh, that the world doesn't recognize. We, we talked about last episode about King, King Tut, so-called King Tut, and you know, everything about Egyptology and everything the world knows about ancient Egypt is wrapped up into this, into this uh, gold sarcophagus, the, the blue and gold uh, iconic mm -hmm. image of Egyptology. But what does it really represent? I mean, this is mm -hmm. interesting. It's just amazing to me that uh, the timing that God has for, for these end times, and he's preserved for these end times this story of King Tut, because it's revered among the world of being the best Egypt thing in their museum. The new museum is opening up. Two-thirds or more of it is going to be King Tut only. Over 100,000 mm. items that were his complete uh, uh, setup is going to be in that museum. And so uh, this is the first Passover. Mm -hmm. This is when, uh, uh, you know, the, the Pharaoh finally just gave it up. And so... Uh, God killed the firstborn. He, he, this is the uh, gods of Egypt that are going down. And, and God says, I'm purchasing the firstborn of Israel for mm -hmm. me with, with the blood that's on the first Passover. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just amazing to me that here we are seeing the world is just now going to see that King Tut is uh, the final uh, he was Word. the death of the firstborn. He was that Egyptian mm -hmm. pharaoh's son that died, and he's about to break open the story of Passover for the entire world, even though he wasn't really what the world views him to be. Right? Yes. That's just incredible to me. Yes. Now, speaking of which, that was news to me. So this new, this new exhibit, when and where is this happening? Okay, the, the new museum yeah. has been built. Uh, I went there last year to see. Um, they're actually working on the, all the King Tut mm -hmm. uh, furnishings, uh, the the chariots, and uh, the all the little um, the necklaces and things. Yeah. Uh, there, okay. Cairo is the old museum, and then out at uh, Luxor is where the where the new building. The they call it the. I forget. I should know this. But uh, it's, it's completed and they've threatened to open it a time or two. And I'm assuming with Corona, with COVID, they've right. probably put it off again. But um, I expect it'll open sometime in 2021. So this is in, if you want to see this, you have to literally go to Egypt You'd, to see yeah. this. Yes. And, and it, it'll Luxor be like is ancient Thebes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is not the Luxor in Las Vegas. No. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is the real Luxor. Or not the Memphis of Tennessee. <laughs> right. Okay. So they're little, little no, they're going to be promoting God's story of the Passover by having two-thirds of this museum in this huge, huge building. Wow. Uh, they'll be showing all of his uh, things that were in, the, in his, his tomb. So talk about coming full circle. If you want to know the full story of the Passover, you have to go to Egypt to see it. That's right. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that amazing? Wow, and that makes me want to go and see it. And, and hopefully uh, Egypt is a, a friendly place by the time 
it opens and people can go see it. I really hope that is yeah. the case. Uh, now, uh, Mary Nell, we wanted to get into uh, Passover again, okay. uh, the death of the firstborn. And so we get into what has happened with, with King Tut. Uh, he is, he's gone. Mm -hmm. His dad is gone. Yeah. All of the priests are gone because they followed the mm -hmm. Israelites into the Red Sea. The Red Sea, of course, swallowed them up. And now there are a whole bunch of widows in Egypt going, oh boy, Right. What do we do? We are now vulnerable to all of our enemies. Mm -hmm. I mean, what happens to Egypt at this point? Well, e Egypt was devastated, but they were, God had arranged it where they would be protected from all the other nations because of their isolation. If you look at the map, you'll see that Egypt is separated by this vast desert from uh, on the west, and then on the east, it goes right up to Canaan, but they have um, a military border there. So if the other nations don't know what's happened, and they know that Egypt is the greatest and strongest nation on earth, they're not gonna make that very vulnerable path down there mm -hmm. to them. So all the armies drowned, the pharaohs drowned, the second pharaoh in line, King Tut is drowned, and of course all the priesthood. Well, so King, King Tut had, had died he, he, he died that, before that. Before, I'm okay, sorry, yeah, no, I didn't mean to say I thought I got my wrong. chronology wrong. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> okay, no. I'm good. Right. But anyhow, everybody's gone. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it scrambles your brain when you try to think yeah. of all of this but stuff. But even the priesthood, like you said, the religion is destroyed. It's, the, I mean, yes. What do you do? Even it lost, all of the people lost any faith in any of the, the gods. You know, it's like every god forsake, forsook them, so they're lawless now. And... They're, I imagine they're a lot like Portland or San Francisco or something like that. I'm sorry to say that, but that's, you know, no, no law. Anarchy. Anarchy and no God. Mm. And so what happens is the people don't know what to do, but they still had a little bit of an army up in Egypt, I mean, up in Canaan, because they had uh, a lot of, um, you know, fortresses and things up there because they were holding those towns as their, you know, they, they extracted bounty from them, you know, taxes and all like that. So there were a few soldiers that came home, uh, you know, when, once they were called home. But an interesting thing happens, and I think this document tells a, a lot, and I'm going to have to read it, because the Hittites uh, are a, a major nation that lived up in northern Turkey, mm -hmm. but they were at one time, they were the big strongest nation. And we hear about them in the Bible when yes. Israel had to war against them, the Amalekites, the Hittites, the it, yes. whateverites. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, but, but they had become super a superpower, but they weren't quite superpower enough for Egypt. But um, in, the, in the archives, at Bogoskoy, which is the ancient uh, Hattusa or the um, headquarters of the, the Hittites, they found a letter, and I'm just going to read uh, part of it. Sure, go ahead. It says, when the people of the land, well, let me skip that, <laughs> um, but to make matters worse, the Lord Bibhurius, I can't pronounce that right, but that is their transliteration of the name of the Pharaoh. 
now. We're not sure exactly which one it was. It could, I think it was Amenhotep, you know, the third. Uh, to make matters worse, their Lord um, had just died. Hmm. The Egyptian queen, who had become a widow, sent an envoy to my father and wrote him as follows, my husband has died and I have no sons. People say that you have many sons. If you were to send me one of your sons, he might become my husband. I am loath to take a servant of mine and make him my husband. What we have here is a letter from a known Pharaoh's wife. He, they knew right who it was when they got it. And it says that the Hittite king, Supaluliumus, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, didn't believe it. Hmm. He didn't know. Maybe it. a trick or yeah. something too. Yeah, because his son, um, Marcellus, who's recording this, he said, when my, mother, when my father heard that, he called the great council and said, such of old, such a thing has never happened before me. Hmm. You know, he, he said, they, try to they may try to deceive me. But he finally sent a young man, I don't know, maybe two or three years later, and he was murdered on the way to Egypt. Hmm. So that never happened. But in this letter right here, we learn of the devastation of Egypt because not only does the queen say, "There's my husband has died. She says, there's nobody here to marry. Hmm. You know? And my son has gone too. And That's how right. often, now, then all we have to do is deduct that from Egyptian history. Yeah. How often, how many times did that happen in history? There was always an heir to take over. Mm -hmm. This has to be an extremely, extremely rare situation. Yeah, and I think she was probably fearful of the Hittites and thought, oh, you know, I mean, they've experienced something like the Holocaust. Right. And they're thinking, what can we do? What can we do? Okay, if I get him to send me a son, they'll protect us. Right. You know, we, might, we won't be the world power anymore, but we'll be protected. And she wouldn't send that letter if she still had an army behind her. That's right. If she still had a priesthood behind her where they would be confident in their gods. Yes. Only if everything were destroyed would she go to this desperation to send a letter to her enemies asking for help. Yeah, the humiliation. And another interesting thing, which once again confirms the Bible, and the Bible confirms this do you remember uh, where it talks about the plagues, uh, uh, God telling them, if you'll do this, I will not, you know, infect you with the plagues of Egypt? Plagues of Egypt, yep, mm -hmm. and the diseases of Egypt and all right. that. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it says here, now this is the same uh, guy, Mercilus, writing about okay. his father, Mercil uh, Supaluliomus, who says, while my father was down in the country of Carchemish, he disposed, these, deposed the excuse me, dispatched <laughs> the, <laughs> these two people to the country of Amqua. You don't want to pronounce those two people? No, I don't. <laughs> Lup I'm looking at it now. Lupacus and Tessabsalmus. I think they're probably so tired of hearing me talk right now. I should be quiet. But um, this is, he's talking about his father sending probably two very important members of his, you know, mm -hmm. um, whatever. Generals or somebody. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To... Uh, Amqua, which is where Egypt, uh, you know, had had conquered it, but that it said they proceeded to attack the country, and so they attack where Egypt has an enclave, and brought back prisoners. 
cattle and sheep. Okay? Mm-hmm. So we've got this picture. The next thing, he says, when the people of the land of Egypt heard about the attack, they became frightened. Then she sent the letter saying, my husband has died, mm-hmm. you know. And then it's, he says this about, uh, he, he didn't believe, shall I take one of my servants? And to make a long story short, Egypt had uh, some sort of a plague that infected the prisoners. The, you know, the Egyptians working there got this disease and they passed it to the Hittites. It killed the Hittite king. Oh boy. It killed a lot of people. And so here is God preserving ancient Egypt hmm. with these diseases. And it's just, I don't know, the more I read, the more I studied ancient history. Um, and, and read what happened, it just brought so much clarity to the biblical story because we're not told about those diseases. Well, no, I, I'm Bible. thinking to myself, have I heard that? In, did I miss that in one of the uh, one of the obscure books of the Old Testament? I don't yeah, remember it's the back that. there. Let's see if I, uh, okay. Here's the scripture mm-hmm. on the screen. And um, it, it, that's all we're told hmm. was the the... You know, God says, if you'll do this, I will not. But the details are not there about this particular story. There's no details in the Bible, just that there was some sort of a plague. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, you think about it too. Okay, well, what happened at that point was Egypt was not to be done yet because who would be born long time later, who would need to flee to Egypt? Yes. Uh, As we mentioned, Yeshua's story kind of mimics that of Right. Of Moses, where yes. he would be born, there would be a king wanting to kill him, he would have to flee until that king died, just like what happened with Moses, and then come back again. And he would um, need somewhere to flee, and I guess Jehovah thought that Egypt, Egypt was the perfect place to be, and they needed to preserve it for that time. And I, I need to apologize to your audience for my inability to explain all of this because it's very complicated. Oh, and but you have. You've written a book on it, I understand. Yes, <laughs> yes. But it's very hard to explain in a few words. Well, that's why we have the book, and that's why we want people yeah. to go get it at, at ronwhite.com. And like you've explained before, we're not trying to push a book here. We just no, want people I, to know because this is really neat It's exciting. It's exciting. It I, is. I get, this is I get the type of book exciting. I would put on my, mm-hmm. on my, on my uh, coffee table and have... Guests read it, and it's, or tell yeah. guests, my guests about it. It's so fascinating stuff because they haven't seen this stuff before. Right. Like the, the pictures you took, uh, you mentioned of that one, the tomb, where you didn't know even what you had. You took flash photography. Right. It was the days of film. You had to get it developed, and lo and behold, here's evidence of Moses on a wall that right. no one to this day is allowed to go in and see. They don't even, they don't have a clue what it is or who it is, and I don't see who it could, how it could be anybody but them. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy! So, wow. Okay, so the, Hip, the, Hitta, the Hittites essentially have evidence of the Red Sea crossing. Really, I mean, that's what it looks like. It's circumstantial. It, yeah. It's circumstantial, mm-hmm. but uh, also, I mean, let's look at the people. Always tell me, well, if, unless it, there's a you know a double-blind, placebo-controlled yeah. study, they're not going to believe something. But if you have thousands of people getting better from something with vitamin C, you have to deduct that even without a yes. study, the vitamin C is doing something. Yes. So I look at this, and even though it's anecdotal, you have to say, look, how often has something like that happened where a pharaoh's 
widow would be so desperate right. as to look to help from her enemies, mm -hmm. you wouldn't do that unless the entire country right. fell apart. Well, when is the only time Egypt fell apart? Yeah. Especially during that time period. It was during the Red Sea crossing. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, that's amazing. So who took over after that? Okay, and well, it was interesting what happened after there. We don't really have any idea how they handled it in Egypt, except we know that there's this small little group of people left behind that are the only ones who have the right to do anything. Mm -hmm. And that is Amenhotep III's wife. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that he had another son. Okay. But he was very young. Remember, if Tut had died at age 18, um, then this other boy is obviously younger than that. Because he was not the firstborn. He, he didn't die. He was not die. the firstborn. He didn't die. And he wasn't old enough to go with the army. No. So he had to be. You're right. He had and to he be. was too young to rule a country. Hmm. So what they did is they appointed a man by the name, there it is, uh, by the name of I, A-Y. And A-Y I guess it's pronounced I. Here mm -hmm. he is. Ah, okay. He is on, in name, he is on the uh, wall of Tut's tomb, and he is acting as a high priest at his burial. But now, who okay. is I? I was the brother of his mother. He was Tut's uncle. Aha. His mother's brother. And so... They had no, no, nowhere to go, nobody to turn to, so he took the throne for a while. Hmm. For about, the, the longest dated, uh, the latest dated object we have was year four, but he probably ruled longer than that. And then all of a sudden, there appears on the scene a young man by the name of Akhenaten. Okay, we're gonna continue with him in just a second. Okay. Hold that thought, okay. All right. We are getting into what happened to Egypt after the Red Sea crossing. It's something we don't necessarily hear about in the Bible, but we're going to hear it next, thanks to Battle for the Firstborn from Mary Nell Wyatt Lee. And we have you to thank for this program because you are the one that makes it happen. Only through donations do it as a rude awakening have Shabbat Night Live. Only through those donations can we bring Mary Nell Wyatt Lee and Randall Lee up on stage and tell us about these things. And it's the only way that others can learn about it. Maybe that's the most important thing. By you helping Michael to shoulder the load for this program, you are helping others to see this in the future to help them understand these things and get a true perspective on God's control over everything over the last, well, many, many thousands of years way back into ancient Egypt and see how it all fits together regardless of man's historical records. We're seeing the truth now. If you like the truth, please donate to this ministry. We're gonna give you a couple of minutes to think about that. Thank you in advance. And welcome back to Shabbat Night Live. Thank you so much for making this program happen. You make it possible for us to talk about things like, well, if Egypt was completely destroyed and Pharaoh's widow was the only one left, the Pharaoh had died in the Red Sea crossing. The firstborn son, King Tut, whom we now know, died as the firstborn. What is she to do? Was there another person in line? There was, wasn't there, Mary Nell Wyatt Lee? There was. Um, when Tut died, his mother uh, apparently had another young son. And where normally a young son could have come onto the throne, in this case, he couldn't because they needed a strong person. Right. I'm assuming because all the folks who may, maybe would have looked after, like, Tut, when he was young, he they went up gone. north to rule. They, yeah, all the, all the guys who would have looked after All the officials, everybody was gone. gone. There's, there's no one left. 
And so all of a sudden, uh, one day, Ty, uh, I disappears from the records and a young man by the name of Akhenaten appears. And he. this is a very long and convoluted subject, but what he is known for is they call him the pharaoh um, of monogamy because he, during his time, he brings to the forefront a new god by the name of Aten. He's another form of the sun god. But uh, he starts worshiping Aten. Now think about it. All the other gods have gone, and what a perfect time to start a, a new god. <laughs> My you other know? God's dead, let's just make a new one. Exactly. Well, he was a God that was in existence. But, oh, okay. but he's uh, apparently his dad that drowned in the Red Sea mm -hmm. had named some things after this God. So my guess, based on everything I've read, is that it was the, the God of his mother's family because okay. she appears to have been foreign. And so anyhow, we have this family that is uh, coming to the throne, and they build a new city, and it's called Amarna. And people have heard of the uh, Tel Amarna letters, which um, are, there's 350 or 60 or something like that letters from the different nations, you know, of correspondence, which are very interesting and everything. But uh, and they they are telling about conditions in Canaan uh, during the the lawless time, mm. but Akhenaten issues in this new uh, religion and all of Egypt, there's no priesthood. He's the only priest. And him and his wife, they don't ever go anywhere. They stay home and they, uh, they just worship the sun. And then the next thing we know, we have um, a complete disappearance of everybody at Amarna. The pharaoh hmm. is, is gone, suddenly gone. You know, his wife, his children, everybody's just gone. And it says um, all of the all of the stuff at Armana. I want to I want to read this because my yeah. brain is mm -hmm. getting convoluted again. Although there are a lot of fragments of walls depicting the Amarna family, all we really know is that the last dated inscription of Akhenaten's reign is year 16. Scholars have settled on 17 years for his reign. This combined with uh, um, the Amarna letters comprises the bulk. Okay, uh, evidence shows that the entire Amarna family suddenly disappeared at the same time, and the mystery's answer can be found in the Bible, the same mystery as to what happened to King Supolulumus in Deuteronomy 7.15, and the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest, upon thee, but will lay them upon them that hate thee. Those mm. were words he spoke to the Israelites. You know, and that's an eternal promise because we're seeing, because mostly everybody looks at that and go, oh, well that, that was just referring to the plagues of Egypt before they left for the Passover. But no. it keeps happening and happening yeah. and happening to the Egyptians. Yeah. And today people say, oh, that's a stretch to think that we are being like the Egyptians and diseases are coming upon this world. That was for then. If it kept happening, and if we look mm -hmm. at the cyclicalness of Hebraic thought, this keeps happening in today's world because we have turned our God, turned our backs on the God yes. of the Hebrews, Yehovah. Yes, uh, uh, there's it was so much. Back then too, obviously. Uh huh. 
Wow. But anyhow, it was during that time of the Amarna family that they opened Tut's tomb again. Mm. They had made objects and put Tut's name on them as Tutankhamen. They changed his name from Tutankhamen, Tutankhamen, to Tutankhamen. Do you know why they would do that? Yes, because of their belief, their religious beliefs. And they were covering all the bases. They had buried him with objects to Amen and Ta and all these different gods, but they were covering the bases because they were responsible for, um, you know, it's unlike us. If we don't spread the gospel, um, we're not, you know, in danger in the afterlife. I mean, Mm -hmm. we should be. We probably are, but that counts against us. But they were responsible for their family. And I think they were covering the bases. They didn't tear up all the other stuff in there to the other gods, but they made sure that Tut had things from the god Amen, I mean, Aten, just in case, just in case. And so that's why when they first opened the tomb of Tut, they believed he had once ruled under the name of Tutankhamen. But he didn't. Mm. It was just, I mean, all the evidence explains that. There was in the notes of Carter, when he first opened the tomb, he found uh, dropped objects right there in the beginning mm. with, from the Amarna family. And see, his mother and his brother, they wanted him to be with them in the happy ever after life. So... That's what happened there. But then, after he died, what happens now? Well, this famous general by the name of Hormheb, he was the general for King Tut. You know, when Tut was a young boy ruling in in Memphis, this man right here, Hormheb, was one of his main advisors, him and I, his uncle. And Hormheb comes to the throne at this time. And I believe this man was a great man because he, well, right here what I wrote was, with the Amarna family gone, a new pharaoh took the throne. The faithful servant of the empire, General Hormheb, arose to the position of emperor. And we don't really know how long it was, but it appears that it was probably about the time of the entry into Canaan. And anyhow, I've tried to record in here all the evidence which showed that this is a man who, who faithfully gave up his life to try to take care of Egypt. Mm. And how, how did he survive the Red Sea crossing? That's a good question. The reason he's still around is because he was in charge of the foreign troops. He was out of the country. Ah, okay. Yes, and I thank you, Randall, because that's what they need to know. Why did he survive? He was out of the country, you know, in Canaan, and... Uh, he survived. God arranged for him to survive so that after everything happened, he comes back to Egypt and he helps it to regain its prominence once again. And then when he finally died, the young man that he had uh, raised to the position of his second in command, his co-regent, became Ramses I. Ah. And a new, a, a new um, dynasty begins. I remember when I, uh, in 1986, when I was a kid in Vancouver, Canada, we had the, uh, the World Exposition there. Ooh. And that was my first real uh, 
love or my first my first real introduction to the love for, for Egyptology and all this type of thing yeah. because there was a uh, the Egyptian as you know with, with a world exhibition every country has its own uh, pavilion right and the Egyptian pavilion was Ramesses the second and I assume that's when they had first discovered all his, his tomb mm -hmm. or something I don't know why they, they brought Ramesses the second but I had pictures on my bedroom oh. wall, posters of Ramesses II. I was just enthralled with this type of thing. And, you know, but um, I, I, you know, when you say Ramesses I, I guess that's where it all started. And he was part of that dynasty. And see, that's, uh, once again, we have a family whose main god was Ra. Mm -hmm. So Ramesses, Ra. Ramesses. Ramesses. Ah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the thought, the Tutmosis, see, the, the King Tut, that was a Toth name. Because he was in Memphis, so he got a Toth name, because that was the god, main god of Memphis. Now, there's a story here about a, a new pharaoh ordering the burial for a yeah. missing pharaoh. It's like the, yes. the burial of the, of the missing soldier. Um, so what was this all about? Well, it was kind of interesting um, when, when Ron um, uh, found this this inscription, when he first heard it, it's an inscription that Hormheb has written. Uh, it's written, handwritten in the tomb of Maya, M-A-Y-A, who okay. was one of his, and it says um, that Hormheb instructed him to restore the burial of King Menkepere, which is uh, how you pronounce Thutmose the Fourth's name. This is the one who... Drowned Down, in the Red Sea. in the Red Sea, okay. Uh, in the August house on the west of Thebes. All right, now, that's kind of confusing when I say that right now. Why did he call him Thutmose IV? Because Horemheb was from Memphis. Memphis is the home of the god Toth, and he knew that, he, he, he probably knew him as Thutmose a lot longer than he knew him as Amenhotep. Right, because you know. that was his region, and that was the right. the, the region for for which he named yes. he knew him. Okay, from which yeah. he knew him. And it's just it's kind of it's hard to explain, but um, I think people will understand it. Yeah, you know, and it and it's it makes absolutely one hundred percent sense. And so that when he ordered a burial for him, it was because he hadn't been buried before he had drowned in the Red Sea. Because there was no body to be no found, body. I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is amazing. So that, <laughs> now, that brings a light to light another issue about Egyptology. Mm -hmm. And that is, when they're trying to do DNA evidence these days on who was who, mm. there's a lot of mix-up because yes. if, there, if someone's sarcophagus did not necessarily contain the remains of that person's that's body right. did it. Yes, yes, and that's a problem. And I put a chapter in here uh, called "The Royal Mummies." Okay. And chapter seventeen. It, chapter right. seventeen. Right. And it shows in here a lot of the mummies. Um, okay, like for instance, that most of one they have a, a, a mummy for him. Okay. Well, it, it's known. I mean, he ruled a long time, but Egyptologists will only admit to about 21 years of Thutmose I. Well, the mummy that they're saying is him, they say uh, it is that of a young man, perhaps 18 
years of age, certainly not over 20. Hmm. And, and all of these evidences show that these mummies are not the right person, you know. So where are the right people? <laughs> that's, well, that's okay, question. a lot of them, here, here's something interesting that happened. A lot of the mummies, um, the tombs were robbed and the, they were, the mummies were destroyed by tomb robbers. Ah, uh, I see. Another thing is, back in Egypt, during the time, I guess, of Queen Victoria, it became a thing. They would sell mummy parts in London and all of the high society, and it was like a potion for good health or longevity. It's crazy. Hmm. People were eating mummy parts ground up. So they would take, so this is, now this is relatively... Uh, recent history, yeah, where they would go in there. So they take the mummy out of, of the. Well, the people royal would they would they would they would rob mummies. They had no idea who they belonged to. The, mm. the, the tomb robbers, they, you know. But they just switch bodies essentially. No, they just take the body oh, and take run. The body. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now a lot of these mummies were found in what was called a cache in one tomb, where um, like they would take all the royal mummies. Let's see if I can tell where they would. Let's see. Uh, okay. During the 21st Dynasty, uh, there were a bunch of tomb robbers, and the, they would take all of the, the mummies and put them in one tomb to try to protect them. Well, um, in tomb uh, two, it's, it's called tomb 320. It was discovered near Deir el Bari. They found 50 mummies in one place. Mm. Yeah. And they were brought to this tomb uh, to protect them from tomb robbers, but they didn't succeed. And these men who had been robbing the tombs, uh, this is in the chapter about the royal mummies, they were brought to justice. Uh, but they, as they began to investigate everything, they discovered that... Um, a mummy might be in a casket that has one name on it, but the mummy had another name on it, and yet that mummy was a, a procedure, a method of embalming was used that wasn't even known until the 21st century. I mean, mm. 21st, um, excuse me, not century, but the dynasty. dynasty. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's so obvious that these things have been manipulated. So, and, and that's what we find, isn't it, with, with Egypt? I mean, that's why the, the names are so confusing. Yes. And there's, there, there's a mixed message, as it were, in Egyptology. And it really, the, the Hebrew record seems to be a lot simpler, but a lot more accurate yeah. than, than Egyptology. And we're finding that, I mean, is it that just they're, they're taking what they want and shoving it into the history and making it work? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. They're making what they want to say work. And, and they are P.T. Barnums is what they are mm -hmm. because um, some of the people, and I'm not going to mention any names, but some of the people in high places, they want to have, remember how Geraldo used to do those things? We're going to open up the safe of so-and-so, you know, <laughs> try to get you to watch that show, mm -hmm. and they'd open it up, and there was nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is kind of what has been done in Egypt. They mm. want to make everything spectacular. And there's so much stuff mm. said that... And that's not just modern Egyptology. I mean, this, yeah. this was fraud con, uh, committed three, 4,000 years ago. Yes. Yeah. There was a lot... I mean, I, I learned a lot about them when I began to read about their religion. Mm. Because they did things based on their religious beliefs. 
and just like we do today, mm-hmm. it, you know, but theirs was a lot different. Now, I don't know how much time we have left. Well, we got a couple of minutes. What do you want to share with us? Okay. I wanted to show these pictures right here of, um, these are mummies that we know are real. Okay, so but, these are on pages 22, uh-huh. 222 and 223 of your book. Right. Okay. All right. And these are Hatshepsut's. Uh, this is her mother's. Oh, wow. Okay. We know that's really her because nobody, they didn't bother replacing the mummies of non-royalty. Mm. I mean, these women were queens, but they weren't pharaohs. These were undisturbed mummies. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at, and then here is her grandmother. Wow, and you can see the hair. Yes. She has uh, like uh, braids or, or even yes. dread, dreadlock. Of, yeah, or it looks like it. Yeah. But what they know is that the whole family had prominent front teeth. Okay. And so um, I believe this statue, I mean, this mummy right here is Hatshepsut. Mm. And based on, I don't know what, they're proclaiming this to be Tut's mother. You know, Mm. that just happened. But all of the evidence is that this right here was Moses' adopted mother, Hatshepsut. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. And I suppose we could look at other uh, carvings of her and other things like that and match up the pictures. and. Well, there's not really m- many of her. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, all of the stuff was focused on Moses. All of the statues and everything, they were, um, they were the important ones, mm. the pharaohs. Wow. Mm. Mary Nell Whiteley, thank you for joining us today. Randall uh-huh. Lee, thank you for coming and, and adding to this as well. And uh, we are so excited about this new book, uh, Battle for the Firstborn. I feel very honored that I have one of the first copies in my Aww. hand. This is wonderful. I'm gonna take it home, put it on my coffee table and uh, read, read, read. This is a great book. And I encourage you to get it too. It's Battle for the Firstborn, Mary Nell Whiteley. And it is on uh, ronwyatt.com. Yes. Run by family members. Yep. And it's, uh, so please uh, go ahead and order the book to support what they are doing. And thank you for supporting Shabbat Night Live. We thank you for watching and we will see you next time. Don't forget about the bonus material, including old footage, some really rare, really cool footage of Ron Wyatt on michaelrood.tv. We're gonna have some bonus material on the app uh, with the same name of this series. So look for it there. Thanks again. Shabbat Shalom and Shavuot Tov. 